And I was like, no, no, don't prepare anything. It'll just be conversation based. I'm sure that we won't have a lack of things to talk about. Because mm-hmm. I know he gets very, he, um, he likes to elaborate and he's such a writer. So he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had Matthew on. Yes. <laughs> this weekend. I'm so excited. He's the, one of my great friends for the past two years. Matt or Matthew? People call him Matthew. Oh. But I call him Matt. Oh, okay. <laughs> just out of like habit. Okay. Kind of huh. Um but Alex calls him Matthew, and so I've been trying to adopt that because they spend the most time together. Mm. Who probably will ask? Yeah. We'll ask you next time. Matthew Nagato. <laughs> <laughs> he was fantastic, amazing. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed this, this Filmmaker episode. by accident. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I never asked, like, how old is he? Because it's, it's kind of inspirational to me if that was like seven years ago. I would guess around 40. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm around 40, and that's mm-hmm. when he fell into a success. So, hey! Right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And he's just getting started. Yeah. 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 I mean, with the writing, too. We talked mm-hmm. about how he writes novels, mm-hmm. and we really get into that at the end. And in the beginning, yeah. we talked about the, his works mm-hmm. in Lumos, his production mm-hmm. company. Not Harry Potter inspired. <laughs> not withdrawing, or not uh, shying away from it, necessarily. That's right. That's but, right. Um, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. An adult, a true adult. Yes, <laughs> it was super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really hmm. great. Um, anything we need to talk about? Mm. We got one more live stream. Friday, right? Mm-hmm. Maya, yeah. Maya yeah. Gold. So. Doing a double this week. Um, and then after that will be our last episode. Yes, I know. Yeah. I'm wondering if I can invite Sawyer on. Oh, okay. If. I don't know. We can talk about sure, it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm scared that I won't have anything to talk about. Oh, come on. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, I'm sure would not say no to him. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. When he gets to talking about music, he just can't shut up. So I was thinking, you know, yeah. he might be interesting. Okay. But, hmm. Hmm. And then we're taking mm-hmm. a, the break off for the summer. Mm-hmm. And starting back up again in mm-hmm. August. Yeah. <laughs> big things, big changes. Lots of changes. He's having a baby. Uh, a my weeks. wife's having a baby. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be there to help catch. So. <laughs> that was really funny when Matt thought it was um, a movie baby a, or something. A movie baby, yeah, it was like baby number two. <laughs> like Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Billy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kelsey, would you say you had a baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, you told me remember. Yeah. I didn't know you were pregnant with the baby. Yeah. <laughs> a you movie meant a baby. Film baby. A film baby, yeah. yes. It's wonderful. It's like so giving great. birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mo'o starts in two weeks. I'm Uh-oh. getting so excited. Mm-hmm. Things are really, really grinding now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Lots of stuff is happening yeah. all over the place. Lots of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy this episode of Matthew Nagato. A true delight. A true delight. (laughs) We do something like, I forgot. Phew! (laughs) (laughs) All right. One, two, three, four!
Hello, viewers. Viewer. Hello, Sawyer and Anella. <laughs> I think Anella's busy today. So yeah. That's true. No, Sawyer's on that <coughs> scout, too, or that <coughs> meeting. Okay. So, hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Welcome. Welcome, uh, Matt. Matt Nagato. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming, man. Great to this be here. Is, yeah, this is something I've been looking forward to and trying to give Cliff like a rundown of what you do and how important you are to our lives. Um, I was grasping at how, how to explain. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of convoluted, like uh, all the way filmmaking circles. I know, it's yeah. It's overlapping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So we first met because I was good friends with your son, Jagger. Right. Um, but then it just... Oh, yeah. yeah. Jagger, <laughs> Jagger yeah. 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 Great he's, filmmaker. He's, he's turned into a farmer now. He's... Oh, I know. photographer from... slash farmer. Oh, okay. He's yeah. like a nomad. Agriculture. He is living on the North Shore. Nice. Mm -hmm. On some kind of track of land, and he's building a bamboo hut now. So. No kidding. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Man. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Picking up trades. He that's is. that's yeah. what you got to do. That's, that's cool. Fantastic. So living cool. off the land. Mm. Man. I bet his hair is so long and luxurious. You know right what? It, it was. Like he has these curls. I love it. Afro. <laughs> yeah. And then he. Um, was in the midweek. You know how they have the question of the week for midweek? Yeah. Mm. He was in the midweek and I saw the... How? <laughs> so like, okay, they found we, him... We have to have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple days later, he cut his hair himself. So he's a little, he's a little clean now. Nice, <laughs> nice. He cut it himself. Oh my God. Farm lifestyle. Farm life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Uh, so I'm... I'm Happy to be here. I mean, I, I know I'm following in some big footsteps. I know you guys had Alex and Anella. I know, big names in the filmmaking community. Yeah, speaking of them, so they're in LA this weekend representing the yes, pit. Yes, representing the pit where we were born. Mm -hmm. um, Matt was the executive producer on okay. the pit. And so Alex Very talked cool. a little bit about that. Anella mm -hmm. talked about that. Um, real Huge labor of love. That, that film, yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I, you, were, you were on the crew. You were art directing. I was. And yep, yep. I was filling in where I could. <laughs> I know. Mudslinger. <laughs> My stones didn't get showcased nearly enough, though. Matt. I, I was a little have to disappointed. Have a talk to the <laughs> <laughs> I had to arrange the pit stones yeah. just perfectly to match the shots because each new setup, we had to have them exact because it'd be like pre pit getting dug and then post pre getting getting dug and then during while it's getting dug so it's mm. these three setups and then there was that was flashback, fun you know, oh, like, oh whole new whole pit, whole new pit. <laughs> no kidding and to organize my stones by <laughs> generation wow. <laughs> oh, yeah shoot. yeah it turned out really well it did i love the time of day thing it really worked out you know the sun out yeah. there in Wainai. yeah right at the end of the day and especially where the farm is located you just get that beautiful golden mm -hmm. tone to the sky and i think that's what alex the director writer um, of the pit that's really what the genesis of that location was from is just yeah looking mm -hmm. out into that sky and yeah. how it kind of represented the relationship between the two characters mm -hmm. it was, that's a father and son story father and son story okay um I'm very eager to see it someday well, it's coming back here. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, I think this weekend it's playing at Campfest, and then uh, the week after that uh, it's at the Maori Land Film Festival in New Zealand. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, at some point, probably later on 
um, at HIF or the Ohino Showcase oh, at sure. HIF. Oh, <coughs> great. Try to get it in there. So okay. Yeah, nice. Super cool. Yeah. That was the one that's super unique because they only shot during a certain hour, yeah. like, like golden hour, right? Yeah. So we just rehearsed for six hours yes. and then yes. shot yeah. really the two. Cool. Really cool. Yeah. yeah. And it was it's a really miracle brave. getting everyone's <laughs> schedules aligned. No doubt. We called in so many favors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Alex knows so many people. Mm -hmm. And calling in favors people yeah. like Kelsey and yeah. Anella and all these folks. Mm -hmm. And we really only had that weekend. I think it was Labor Day mm. weekend. Because mm -hmm. all the folks that were working on CBS shows and whatnot, oh, sure, they sure. were mm -hmm. off. And mm -hmm. So it was quite a, a feat to get everybody together and then... You know, we had a little bit of a environmental crisis. Oh uh, my gosh, flash floods! Oh, oh, <laughs> it was crazy. It was insane. Filming <laughs> in a pit. In a pit. <laughs> it just started filling with water right. as we stood around it. And you know, this oh, is Waianae, and uh -huh. so you typically envision Waianae as being a location that's dry, mm -hmm. really, yeah, arid, yeah. And it was not that day. <laughs> um, the whole set flooded out, and oh so that yeah, was pretty tragic. We're so lucky to have all those PAs that, you know, were on set to help yeah. mm -hmm. brush and sweep water away. And uh -huh. mm -hmm. There was a mound of dirt already dug up by the farmers right. um, who own the property. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we were shoveling that new fresh dirt on top of the wet dirt. Oh. So we were able to salvage oh. the rest nice. of the day. No, we kept I mean, shooting. It, it, it was another miracle. A miracle. Wow. Yeah. We kept getting so lucky. Yeah. yeah. Um, one yeah. of the PAs got bit by a centipede. Right. <laughs> like, such a labor of love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just life on a farm. Yeah. One of the crew yeah. also had an unfortunate run-in with a branch of a tree and hit his head. So we had, oh, we had, we had yeah, a that's of, right. Yeah, we had a remember number of things kind of wow. go awry, but at the uh -huh. end, mm. it, it came out to be a, a pretty good film. Yeah. Well, that's, that film. in itself is a miracle, not just getting everyone there, but everyone who loves to be there. Right. Because, yeah. obviously, they, right. they had a, pa a passion for filmmaking and... Yeah. I believe in Alex's vision. And, yeah. and it was, yeah, I mean, it was true. a long shoot. You mm. know, like Kelsey said, we we would get there before the sun came up. Wow. Getting everything set up, mm -hmm. doing the rehearsals, and then just breaking until sunset, yeah. and then try to roll. Mm. Um, so mm -hmm. everyone that was on the crew um, was really dedicated. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. So, did you find that the sunrise shots matched the sunset shots pretty well? Like, was that worth they it? They did. They okay. did. I think mm -hmm. you know Abe, uh, who was the DP, mm -hmm. um, he really filmed uh, the morning shots in such a way that yeah, you can't really tell. Can't tell. Yeah. yeah. Of course, now I'm just told a secret to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but that's cheating, golden hour. That's pretty cool. You totally. double your time. That's yeah. awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think you guys yeah. just go to the beach in the middle of the day. They too. did. Yeah. And then half the crew just kind of went off and laid, yeah. in, it's laid great. on the sand. And, yeah. yeah. But the, the valley, Waianae Valley, it's got such unique light that we mm. were able to, to do that cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. Oh, super so cool. beautiful. So, so beautiful. yeah, the pit's um, it's on its way. I know. Uh, three festivals so far. And, yeah. You know. And two of the main actors went out to LA too. They did. They had such a fun time. Oh. I've been loving watching on social media all the fun. <laughs> you know, once so cool. you have a Getty image picture taken of yourself somewhere, oh, you know you've made it. Yeah. Yes. So it was uh, Alex, the director, and Nella, the producer, and then the two main actors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the red carpet or the green carpet, whatever it was. Um, yeah. Yep, they've made it. They it's fantastic. big time. Uh, yeah, they, they did. Awesome. Yeah. And Elle had this great outfit with her blazer, new blouse. Yeah, like, oh, that's my girl. I know, I was like, right? Who's that? Someone that. She was rocking the LA style. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so mm. proud. Yeah. So awesome. 
Of course, the other three, they they just look plain. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dudes are lucky like that. They can, it doesn't matter. (laughs) No, actually, you know what? I take that back. Eli, who plays the son, Mm. he had on his um, Humphrey Bogart Casablanca white jacket on. (laughs) I don't know if that was intentional. That's so Eli, too. Eli, you've got style. (laughs) You have real swag. Really. That was so fun. Yeah. Well, Matt, this is yeah. my first time meeting you. Yeah. Um, I presume your first time meeting me. Uh, it, maybe. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I might have okay. seen you on a set. So well, I, I, you know, you know I have a faulty memory. But, <laughs> um, and I'm sure this is uh, for whoever's watching, maybe their first time meeting you as well. So I, uh, after I saw you uh, show up on the calendar like weeks ago. Yeah. And I was like, man, I got him. <laughs> and then finally last week I asked Kelsey who's Matt and when she explained I was like oh my gosh and uh, I was super excited I mean excited for all the guests but um, especially you know with, with the work you have behind you yeah. um, I did not realize you were basically partners with Alex is that a fair assessment or you're the only two people on the Lumos media website yeah. <laughs> you could use that word partners okay. that's a good word <laughs> collaborators <laughs> yeah. at least yeah. uh, which is which is really cool so have you been involved because um, when we had him on he was talking yeah. about uh, his Sri Lankan films yeah uh, were you involved with those then as well yeah so it I mean you know how Alex and I ended up um, mm. doing Lumos it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a long story so oh, yeah. we're going to run the full 90 minutes <laughs> So I'm actually not, um, I don't come from a history of filmmaking. Oh, um, okay. I've spent all of my adult life working in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, longer than Kelsey's been alive, actually. <laughs> 30 years in healthcare. Okay. Um, and it was in 2012 that I had an opportunity to make uh, a film, a documentary. Mm. So uh, some folks at the Department of Health approached uh, the nonprofit that I work for, mm-hmm. and you know, they said, "Hey, we're thinking about doing a documentary on healthcare in Hawaii. Are you interested in doing it?" Mm. And for all of my time in healthcare, I had been working in marketing communications, and we had just done a campaign, an awareness campaign. So we'd done a commercial, and it had been playing in the theaters and on TV. And so, when the folks at the Department of Health saw that, mm-hmm. that's why they sort of thought, hey, maybe you guys might be interested in doing the documentary. Okay. So they came and they said, would you be willing to do this? And I mm-hmm. said, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because A, I had no experience in filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Didn't go to film school, never aspired to be a filmmaker at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but more importantly, it was documentary work. Mm-hmm. Anytime I had seen a documentary up to that point, it, it seemed like documentaries were intended to piss you off, right? Or to make you really sad, whether Mm. it's about, you know, killer whales in captivity or get you angry about climate change. Mm. It was always intended to sort of stir up the kind of emotions that propel you to act out of anger or Mm -hmm. sadness. Like Michael Moore type stuff. Michael Moore Mm. type stuff. So all of my work in healthcare had been about trying to make people feel positive about health. And mm-hmm. so sort of the baseline of what this documentary was supposed to be about was the poor state of Hawaii, mm-hmm. um, the healthcare system, and just the health of people in general here in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just not interested in, in doing that. Okay. But, you know, I had a meeting with the, the director of Department of Health. Um, this was sort of her, her baby, this project. Mm-hmm. And so 
we had the meeting. She twisted my arm, threw me to the ground. <laughs> um, no, I mean, she, she explained what her vision was um, for the film, that it really needed to be about community and how communities, um, what, what kinds of things communities are doing in an innovative way to address health mm. and not just making sure people can see doctors and mm. making sure they have insurance, but all the social factors that actually have a much larger role in how healthy people are, where you live, mm. what kind of education you've had, mm -hmm. what kind of access to fresh, healthy foods you have. Mm. All of those things affect your health way more than can you go and see a doctor. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when she explained that that's really what her vision for the film would be, mm -hmm. I, could, I could get into that. Mm. Um, and so I said yes. And being a total novice did not know where to begin. Mm. In, in making a documentary. Sure. Um, so I really relied on a lot of um, experts to help kind of guide me to find good stories to okay. tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I met Alex in that process because mm -hmm. the campaign that I had uh, been involved with, um, the DP that shot the commercial and all that uh, was Jeremy Snell. Mm -hmm. um, World famous Jeremy Snell. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, big name, <laughs> dropping some names. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Jeremy had brought um, Alex on board the documentary. Okay. Um, because, you know, I had gone to Jeremy and said, hey, I don't know anybody who can film, mm -hmm. so uh, would you be interested in helping us out? How and did you find Jeremy? So Jeremy, um, the campaign that we had worked on um, before the documentary mm -hmm. um, was with a, uh, an agency. I don't know if I can say the agency. It was Wall to Wall Studios. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Shout out to Bernie. Um, <laughs> and the creative folks at uh, Wall to Wall uh, came to me and said, "Hey, we have this person we're thinking about using for the commercial and the campaign." Um, but here's the thing: he's 19 years old and he's still going to UH Manoa. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know, a 19-year-old kid. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, the wall-to-wall -wall folks said, hey, here's his website. Check out his photography. If you, know, if you don't want to use him after that, then we'll find somebody else. Mm -hmm. I went to Jeremy's website, and everything that I saw was exactly what I had envisioned the campaign to be. Wow. So I said, yes, let's use mm -hmm. him for the campaign. The campaign, uh, the campaign came out beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was because of that, you know, when I got around to trying to decide how to do the documentary, I knew that the style that Jeremy used to shoot and his eye and all of the, 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 uh, the experience, the knowledge that he had in just yeah. filming, that's what I wanted. Cause I didn't have any of that. I really mm -hmm. was going to be relying so heavily on him. Mm -hmm. Um, and he brought Alex on board and that was sort of the beginning of how Alex and I started working on things. Okay. Um, that first documentary is called Ola. Mm -hmm. Health is everything. Um, and we worked on it for maybe like six months. Mm -hmm. And then there was like a three or four month period where we were doing absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I had been getting some pressure from the Department of Health. They were like, hey, what's going on with the film? And mm -hmm. I, at that point, I had no um, understanding of how long documentaries take, oh, yeah. whether it was yeah, this is a three, four, five, six month thing, or is mm -hmm. this a multi-year thing? Mm -hmm. um, but they really wanted to try to get the film out in spring of 2013. Oh. And they wanted to try to get it into HIF 
Ooh. for the spring showcase because I think the idea was if it got into HIF, more people would see it yeah. and it would generate more interest in the film. Mm-hmm. So that got us back on the clock and mm-hmm. um, you know we finished it in January of 2013. Nice. Uh, and then we got into HIF spring showcase. Nice. Then my life changed. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, now that's the first of three. That's the first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, even after the premiere at HIF, I, yeah. I thought this is like a one-time thing. In yeah. fact, I went into um, the writing and the directing of, of Ola thinking that this is a one-time deal. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still working in healthcare. I mm-hmm. still have this full-time job. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to come to me and say, here's a little bit of money, go make a film. Uh-huh. So already I felt like this is an incredibly unique situation. I'm super lucky. This is the first and only time I'm going to get to do this. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted Ola to be my love letter to Hawaii mm-hmm. because everything that I wanted to say about Hawaii and community mm-hmm. went into that film. Mm-hmm. So when the premiere was done, I just had this overwhelming sense of relief. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I've done it. Mm-hmm. I made my movie. Now I can go back to work. Oh, wow. Um, that was not to be the case. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you guys did such a good job with it. <laughs> well, you know, people um, who saw the film were overwhelmed for one of two reasons. One, the just the beauty of the film because yeah. mm-hmm. the way Jeremy shot it. Yeah. Um, Do you know Jeremy's style, kind of? Mm-mm. Oh, gosh. It's so beautiful. It's very poetic. Kind of handheld, slow-moving, yes. shallow focus. Yeah. Okay. Um, really puts you there. Very intimate. Mm. Intimate, kind of, yeah. Um, okay. Framing. Mm-hmm. And is Ola available? It is. Uh, folks can go to olamovie, O-L-A-movie.com, and uh, they can see the whole film there. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. Good cool. to know. So, you know, people fell in love with the look of the film, mm-hmm. and then... There were other people who, they, they loved the look of the film, but there was something in the stories that we told mm. that mm. touched them, affected them sure. in some way. Yeah. Um, and so that generated a lot of word of mouth. And mm. so from April of 2013, when it premiered at HIF, until I want to say almost the end of 2015, so a little over two years, mm-hmm. um, I ended up, flying all over the state, <laughs> all over the country, showing Ola over 350 times. Wow. Small <laughs> so screenings, amazing. like five people. Uh-huh. Huge screenings, six, seven hundred people. Wow. Um, and it became sort of my life. It was sort of like every week there's another screening or there's mm-hmm. multiple screenings or I'm having to fly out of, um, out of the state to go show the film. And mm. You know, I always wanted to make sure that I was there for the screening mm-hmm. because yeah. part of what the documentary was intended to do was to generate discussion, to mm-hmm. get people to think more deeply about mm-hmm. what it is they can do in their own communities. Yeah. I always wanted folks to, to see the three um, individuals that we featured in Ola as examples of what they could aspire to. So mm. I might not be able to do what that person is doing, but I can do something. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Okay. And, you know, after the screenings, having the people in the audience talk about what they got out of it, mm-hmm. talk about how it's relevant to their family or their community, or their mm. organization. We showed it a lot of um, companies. Um, really, that's to me where the benefit of uh, that type of documentary work, which mm-hmm. it's not 
sort of that fly on the wall sort of disinterested third party observer type of document. This was right. advocacy documentary. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was trying to make a very specific set of points mm-hmm. um, and I didn't try to hide that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but for two years, I uh, went around and yeah. showed Ola and, you know, it was maybe six months into that traveling a lot that Department of Health um, folks who had supported the first film recognized we're on to something, yeah. there's something there. Uh-huh. Um, and so they came back and again said, hey, why don't we do a sequel? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so epic. And, you know, there were, so, there were so many stories that we ended up not putting into Ola. That was one of the questions I would get all the time. How did you choose these three stories? Mm-hmm. First of all, I was like, how did you find these people? And then how did you choose these three? Mm-hmm. Um, so the initial idea for the sequel was, let's just go back into this, uh, folder of stories that we didn't do in the first film, and let's just do those. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to say that that wasn't interesting, it would have just been more of the same. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. we really talked a lot about how do we change the focus to a different um, perspective on community and about health and how to create healthier communities. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that you know, as I said earlier, all of these different social factors that affect how long people live and how healthy they are, one of those things, one of the more important things is what kind of education have they had? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided to focus on education okay. um, in Hawaii and to try to tell stories again about people doing innovative, amazing things in education in Hawaii. And you would think, are there any stories about <laughs> good things happening in education? Um, but there were. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's very difficult. It's like choosing your favorite child, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ola is always going to have this special place in my heart because, as I said, it was my love letter to Hawaii. Right. It's the first thing I'd ever done, mm-hmm. knowing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. The second film called Ike, um, which is Hawaiian for knowledge, mm. Ike to me, um, it meant more because it was more aspirational. Okay. I was going to say maybe more deliberate. It was because Mm -hmm. now that I'd had the experience working with, with Jeremy and and Alex and folks who sort of gave me the crash course on the mechanics of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. um, I knew exactly Mm -hmm. with the second film, Mm -hmm. what I wanted to say, what I wanted to include. I was probably a little more forceful Mm -hmm. in the choices that, that, uh, needed to be made. Mm -hmm. But, um, Ike followed pretty much the same path as, as Ola did. Wow. Um, flew all over the state, all over the country, mm-hmm. um, showing the film. <laughs> and, uh, you know, eventually, uh, I, I forget who it was, but someone had approached us and said, hey, um, were you interested in having Ike be on television? Because wow. it's about education. Sure. And education's always sort of, you know, one mm-hmm. of those hot uh, kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Actually, it was PBS Hawaii. Um, They approached us, uh, the programming directors. Um, They had come to see a screening at Coffee Talk in Kaimaki. How random. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they approached us afterward and said, you know, we'd be interested in putting this on PBS Hawaii Mm -hmm. and having uh, a special edition of PBS Insights to talk about the issues that were raised in the film Mm -hmm. right afterwards. So that was, was, you know, um, a pretty big 
moment for me because it meant that now the work was going to be seen by anybody that could just turn on the TV as mm -hmm. opposed to when you're a documentary filmmaker, first of all, and then some small-time filmmaker. I mean, you're lucky if 100 people get to see your film. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a pretty scary moment, too. I mean, mm -hmm. Having it be on TV and uh, then having to be on TV, live show. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find the stories? For, for both. For both. Really? So yeah. for, for Ola, um, you know, my day job, as I said, is in healthcare, And so mm -hmm. I leaned on the folks, um, colleagues that I work with, mm -hmm. um, organizations that um, are affiliated with the, the nonprofit that I work for, and just put out a call and say, hey, are, are there yeah. people out there doing things that are... Okay, so in like a nomination process. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. you know, we ended up looking at maybe a dozen or maybe even more than that, maybe 15 yeah. different potential stories. Mm -hmm. And the three that ended up in Ola, they were chosen because when I met those people, there was just some kind of sizzle mm -hmm. in the interaction that we mm -hmm. had mm -hmm. where I could see what their story was going to look like. But also, I just felt something. Yeah. Um, I mean, I genuinely love each one of them for different reasons. Um, but all three of them, the quality that they have um, that I admire most is they were all outsiders to the communities that they were living in. Mm. And yet they felt so compelled to do something wow. to try to improve the lives of the people in the community that they were sort of transplanted mm. into. Mm -hmm. um, which is, it's, it's a form of bravery, but it's also a form of commitment to say, hey, yeah. this is my community too. Yeah. I live here now. Oh, and I love so that. Yeah. What can I do? Mm -hmm. And hmm. they did just such amazing things. Um, so for the second film, um, IK, it was sort of word of mouth. Mm. Um, people mm -hmm. who had seen Ola or had been at an Ola screening would come up to me and say, hey, have you heard about X? Mm -hmm. um, and so I would just keep a list of mm -hmm. all these different things. Um, Isn't and that nice? All these do-gooders in our community? It is. That's so and great. Th that was part of, you know, I think part of the power of those two documentaries, but also why I wanted to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, as I said at the beginning, documentaries so often, they paint the portrait of what's wrong with the world, mm -hmm. but whatever the topic is, mm -hmm. very rarely do they offer you sort of the combination to the lock of how you can get out of that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really wanted to focus on in both of them. Because mm -hmm. when people think about health or they think about education, they don't think very positive things, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so to show them that anybody can be doing things that might seem small, but when you see the the uh, impact that mm -hmm. those small things have on uh, the population and that community as a whole, it's inspiring. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean that that's how I ended up, you know, creating Lumos. Mm -hmm. um, the production company, because <clears throat> after the second film, you know, I had to go back to my regular job, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I had by that time spent four, almost five years, you know, doing the films and traveling. Did you um, take months off at a time? No. So my job became right. 
but you didn't have to go in the office then. I would here and there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. You know when things. You would were come a filmmaker. Up. But at that point, I was sort of a filmmaker. Wow. Yeah. Just happened um, to you. On salary. <laughs> so um, great. And wow. you know, it, it was to the benefit of of the company that I work for because oh, yeah. it positioned us as uh, a thought leader in this mm-hmm. new sort of perspective on health. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're focusing on the social aspects of health and yeah. not just insurance, doctors, sure. mm-hmm. prescription drugs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really did. It, it moved the conversation among health insurers here in Hawaii yeah. um, and hospitals and providers. Mm-hmm. And so now if you go to wow. any kind of health conference in Hawaii, mm-hmm. the issue of the social origins of health, it's somewhere in that conference. Mm-hmm. And it, it's oh, yes. due in no small part to... Ola and how Ola sort of got the ball rolling oh with that conversation. Gosh. But yeah, I wow. couldn't take any time off um, mm. to do filmmaking because filmmaking had become my job. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then I came back down to earth. <laughs> um, because money ran out. Mm. You know, filmmaking yeah. is very expensive, even mm-hmm. documentaries. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I, yeah. Um, two, two things. Um, one, not, not trying to like start anything or whatever but no let's in, get it going well, no, well just just in, your, in, in the course of the of the making the films yeah um especially the subject matter do you did you find the resolution to any of issues yeah. uh, to be in the community taking responsibility for itself as the stories did or mm-hmm. the government needs to do more yeah I realize how that could sound i'm, I'm not trying to sound any certain way i'm yeah. genuinely curious yeah no, that was the whole point of of Ola, and mm. you know, it's it's funny. I, I I know what you're trying to skirt around there, um, <laughs> because it did come up in a screening at Queens Hospital, mm-hmm. and I said something, and some woman mm-hmm. stood up, and she, you know, um, the whole point of the films were that you don't have to have you don't have to wait around for someone mm-hmm. outside the community to come in and tell you, hey, this is how you guys are going to fix this problem. Mm-hmm. In fact, it is the responsibility of the people in the community because you know um, with far greater clarity what the the actual situation is. Sure, sure. And you know who in the community has the capability to do this or to do that. Mm -hmm. So you know where the resources are. Mm -hmm. Um, Really all it takes is for people to stand up, Mm -hmm. to make that commitment Mm -hmm. that this is something I can do. Mm -hmm. Um, So for example... Uh, you mentioned the Sri Lanka documentaries. Mm. They all revolve around a gentleman um, who's featured in in the first film, Ola. Mm-hmm. And you know his story in Ola is about his organic farm out in Waianae, huh. and how he intended that farm, which actually is also where we shot the pit. It revolves around his the uh, story about his organic farm mm-hmm. and how he intended to use that farm as a platform to educate children mm-hmm. about taking care of the land, about learning how to plant and to grow and to harvest and to cook their own food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Waianae is a community that has suffered disproportionately. They mm-hmm. have high rates of poverty, um, very high Native Hawaiian population that has its own uh, special health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this gentleman, Surya, Again, like I mentioned earlier, you know, he came from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He came from Sri Lanka, yeah. but had been living in Waianae for 30 years, 
with this vision, this dream of creating an organic farm where anybody could come and contribute work, putting your hands in the soil mm. and leaving, not empty handed, but leaving with food for yourself, for mm. your family. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was a perfect example mm. of, you know, even back then, this is 2012 when we were filming that, mm. even back then, um, you know, the organic farm movement, farm to table. Oh, uh, yeah. Right. It was in vogue back then. It's still in <laughs> vogue today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said in my TED Talk, TED Talk, <laughs> I said in my TED Talk, hey. you could throw a dart at the map of Hawaii mm-hmm. blindfolded and hit an organic farm. <laughs> so what, what is so unique yeah. about this story of this particular organic farm in Waianae? Well, he wasn't intending to... Um, create a uh, a brand for himself. Sure, he was just doing it because mm-hmm. he felt this was the right thing to do. Yeah, without fanfare, without trying to no Instagram profile. Right. Yeah, and so <laughs> you know we changed that pretty quick because yeah. <laughs> after we featured him in the film, mm-hmm. I mean his yeah. life kind of changed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting back to your question, mm-hmm. the stories really are about individuals recognizing the needs in their communities mm-hmm. and just doing something about it mm. as a way to demonstrate to folks that you can do something. Mm-hmm. These problems are huge, mm-hmm. whether it's education, uh, the environment, agriculture, mm-hmm. energy, whatever the problems are, they're huge and they're all sort of interlocking, right? And so the idea that one person can go out there and, and help fix this problem, for most People, they think of that and it's too overwhelming. Sure. What the yeah. heck can I do? Yeah. What we're trying to show with the films is that you can do something mm. and you have you know, no idea how far reaching the actions that one person are until you see it and you recognize, mm-hmm. my gosh, it's not that difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it really was about, I hate this word, <laughs> I'm going to use it anyway. It really, really was about empowering people mm-hmm. or inspiring them to recognize that they have agency right. they can actually go out and do something yeah 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 cool yeah that's awesome um the second thing uh, or but no yeah second thing was through this you mentioned you had no aspirations for filmmaking none zero kind of fell into it and now you're kind yeah. of falling in love with it do you feel like all right that's what i'm picking up anyway <laughs> sort of in love yeah um, <laughs> we're still courting yeah. <laughs> keep it at the focus um I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So do you think it's it's like kind of scratching a latent filmmaking itch in your soul? Or mm-hmm. do you think maybe it's just a new expression of something you've already, you know, responded to as a calling? I don't, I don't think it's something new that I responded to because, um, as I said before, I've worked in marketing communications sure, for 30 years. It, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's about telling stories or mm-hmm. about truth well told, mm-hmm. right? Um and I've always been a writer. Mm. Um, and the desire to tell stories was, has always been there. Okay. So I think this was just, you know, an avenue through which to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm telling other people's stories with the documentary. Mm-hmm. But as with any kind of filmmaking, you're crafting it based on how you edit yeah. and, all yeah. those things yeah. and yeah. what kind of music you use. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think there was something always latent. Um, that sort of led me there and you know mm-hmm. the universe decided to put me in touch with the right people because 
God knows if I had tried to do any of this on my own, mm. um, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you folks. It's really <laughs> due in no small part to the people that ended up getting involved and helping to make the films. Did Jeremy help you produce it? Or did you hire a production company? Ola. I did not hire a production company at all. How in the world did you do it? So, (laughs) um, I mean, Jeremy at 19 and you so green. You know, um, you don't know what you don't know, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. So I went into it, um, the first film, Ola, thinking, okay, this is a project like any other project. Yeah. And you have all these tasks and you have all these deliverables and there's some yeah. dates. And mm-hmm. so I, I approached it really from a technical perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hire a couple of associate producers to do segment producing. Mm-hmm. So I did travel a lot during pre-production, mm-hmm. talking to all the potential story um, subjects. Yeah. But once I had decided, okay, these are the three that we're going to focus in on. Yeah. Um, it really was just a lot of trial and error and understanding how we would go about yeah. shooting interviews and then scheduling wow. B-roll and yeah. all of those things. But I did hire um, a couple of associate producers, one of whom, uh, Seisei Hayashi, has gone on to some <laughs> fame herself. Big name. Um, I'm just dropping all the names. You really are. Um, How in the world you yeah. got so lucky? Well, you know, I, I had known Stacy for... Oh, that's true. Seven, almost ten years, Long time. Um, mm-hmm. up up to that point, and mm-hmm. had been working with her to help out with. You know, she had been trying to make Go for Broke, you know, for for years. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of the running joke because at the time, Ola was beginning. Um, she had just done, I think, her her manga, her comic book oh, version cool. of the Go for Broke story. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, here I was, a wannabe writer making a movie and here she was a wannabe oh. filmmaker publishing a book <laughs> it was a book. like switched <laughs> bodies or something um but you know uh, she was uh available uh to help yeah. uh produce the segment um that took place on the big island and that okay. was a huge help because at that time you know we were under the the pressure of trying to get the film wrapped up and there mm-hmm. were some scenes that Jeremy had suggested to me that initially you know, and he said, oh, it'd be really cool if we did this. Initially, I was like, I don't know. I, I, I don't see why we need it. I mm. And I can't imagine how we could possibly get permission from these people to do this. Mm-hmm. So my solution to that was to turn to Stacy and say, here, why don't you go do that? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Oh, um, she's a mover and shaker. She is. <laughs> and so the, the particular uh, sequence that, uh, they went up to to film it. Yeah. Uh, Alex was a part of that as well. Um, the subject of uh, this particular segment called the Mighty Milers, which is a program, a running program in school for kids. Mm. Jeremy had wanted to film this particular kid who was the focus of the segment, waking up in the morning, mm-hmm. getting ready for school, being driven to school, being dropped wow. off. And, you know, now when I think about it, it's like, well, of course, that makes total sense. But at the <laughs> time, being a novice and not understanding, how do you get permission from people to oh, go yeah. in? Oh, yeah, it's and, a huge commitment. Yeah. And it just seems so intrusive. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that scene, mm-hmm. it, it really ties you emotionally mm-hmm. to, this, to this young boy. Yeah. Um, and it's very beautifully shot. So, yeah. of course, 
Jeremy was absolutely right. Um, yeah, great call. Is he credited as director in this? No. Actually, okay. I don't think we have a director credit. <laughs> uh, you and him probably co-directed. We, and I've learned that um, one of the things for me in, in thinking about the film projects that I've done and the film projects um, that we're still in the midst of, mm-hmm. people often talk about my film, my film, yeah. my film this, my film's about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When really... The film belongs to everybody mm-hmm. in the crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether you're the writer, the director, the producer, the craft person, right? Mm-hmm. You're all contributing something. And so sometimes I, I find myself falling into the trap of saying my film, but really it's our film because yeah. we're all bringing something to it. People very rarely stay in their lane. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're the producer, you're not just producing you have notes on the script or you have notes on the edit or Mm -hmm. um everybody's got something that from their own experience Mm -hmm. that they can lend uh Mm -hmm. to the production and so hopefully um going forward i I remember that yeah that uh it's not all about me it's about everybody (laughs) (laughs) that's really nice (laughs) So have you moved full-time into filmmaking? No. Uh, okay. So I still have a regular job. That's why I'm dressed like this. I just <laughs> walked over from uh, Pawa- Pawahi Tower. I'm getting a, um, a real J.J. Abrams vibe. Well, I'm like, no kidding. Right? <laughs> I see it. Glasses? Yes. Is that what <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, so I, I still have uh, a regular job. Um, <laughs> what ended up happening is, you know, uh, I had to go back to doing what sure. you know, my position was. Mm-hmm. But also, as I was saying before, filmmaking is very expensive and mm-hmm. there was only so much money to go around to do the first two films. Mm-hmm. But for me, having gone through hundreds and hundreds of screenings where inevitably people would come up afterwards and just pour their heart out to you about mm-hmm. how they were affected, um, I just couldn't imagine it being over. Mm. You know, wow. when I did Ola, I was like, this is a one-shot deal. Yeah. And then after the second film, I was like, well, I can't stop now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we've, we've started something. We've yeah. begun this process of being able to tell positive stories mm-hmm. about Hawaii in a way that hopefully inspires people to do things. Um, so I had to make a tough decision, mm-hmm. quit my job and go into filmmaking or keep my job, and try to do filmmaking on the side. Mm-hmm. Both of those are impossible situations, mm-hmm. but yeah. one of them is a steady paycheck. So, <laughs> I, I, Good call. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's when I decided I, I needed to start Lumos and to, to start doing independent um, production, mm-hmm. uh, primarily to continue to tell stories that are positive in nature about what's right in the world um, no matter what the subject matter is okay. um, but you know it, that came with its own set of challenges because no longer was someone saying here's a check yeah. go make a movie and now yeah. it's like okay when I come home now I've got to figure out how we're going to fund this particular yeah. project oh and mm-hmm. we've got to hire people mm-hmm. and, but you know again thanks to all the people that stepped forward to get involved 
um, we've been able to to make a go of it. Hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So primarily, we're doing documentary work, mm. um, but we have sort of branched out into some other things. The pit um, mm-hmm. being the most obvious example, mm-hmm. um, short film. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've done some PSAs um, on dating violence, mm-hmm. and that's how I met Kelsey. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud Although, of that. Although, I don't PSA. know, I, I think maybe I met we you met briefly on Go For Broke, on Go for broke mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got to see what a superstar she is. <laughs> I remember being so intimidated by you at Go For Broke because he was just kind of there to observe, but we were all in our work mode. And they were like, that's Jagger's dad. He's a director. I remember everyone saying, he's a director. He's a director. <laughs> And then someone said, he's a documentary director. Oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the the first project, uh, Lumos project that we finished was a a PSA on dating violence. Mm -hmm. So it was was scripted to be sort of like a short film, Mm -hmm. but it was intended to be a PSA to to be used by educators to talk about Mm -hmm. dating violence. So Mm -hmm. not physical violence, but Mm -hmm. the more sort of pernicious forms of relationship abuse kind of issues. Yeah. 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 Which, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of out there and mm-hmm. trying to teach people to recognize it for what it is as opposed mm-hmm. to just kind of excusing it. Sure. So yeah. that was an important first project to kind of get us moving. Okay. Because the documentary work that we were doing, we have like four or five documentaries we're still working on. Um, they take a lot of time sure. and you yeah. shoot when you've got resources and mm-hmm. time and money and, but the PSA, someone came and said, Hey, we'd like you to, to try to do this. And mm. so, um, and that one similar to Ola, mm. it did so well that they want another one. Right? Yes. Um, so the PSA is called two kinds of love mm. and you can see it at twokindsoflove.com. Yes. <laughs> That's uh, two, the, the number, kindsoflove.com. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, similar to Ola, um, there were folks out there in um, the sex abuse and violence community, um, Department of Health folks, Department of Education folks, who saw um, the PSA and thought, you know, we really need more of this because mm-hmm. one of the reasons the, the PSA... Um, the first PSA project, Two Kinds of Love, was brought to us is that the material that gets used um, to educate folks, it's often based off um, stuff that comes out of the mainland. Mm. So when young local kids watch videos in class, they don't see themselves represented. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the idea was let's create a, a PSA with faces and with language that they would recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a bunch of folks saw two kinds of love and said, "We really, lo- I really like this. We need more of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. can you do one for high school?" Mm-hmm. So, two kinds of love is about um, young adult dating violence, so okay. college age. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we are in the midst of finalizing scripts and starting pre-production on mm-hmm. that second set of PSAs. Okay. Yeah, it's so exciting. So yeah, cool. yeah. so cool. <laughs> You're meant to do this. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's obvious people keep sh- <laughs> giving you money. Yeah. Oh, man. Hmm. Do you see that happening, or would you be open to that? Should the time come where you can transition you know, the full time? The, the easy answer would be yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but 
honestly, I really feel like once Lumos is done with these four or five documentaries, mm-hmm. probably end of next year we'll have finished all of the sort of open projects we have. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point at which I'll kind of take a breath, step back, okay. and try to examine that question. Okay. Because it's sure. been very difficult. Um, yeah. One, because we have taken on every project that has come our way, okay. or every idea that's been sort of uh, presented to us, we've sort of lashed onto, yes, we've got to do that, yes, we've got to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. And you know, the fact of the matter is it, it stretched us very thin. Sure, sure. Had we just stuck with one project and mm-hmm. focused on it, we probably would have finished mm-hmm. and then we could have moved on to another one. Mm-hmm. But we always felt like um, if we said no to something, mm-hmm. we'd miss an opportunity and someone else would come along and mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's been difficult working full time and then trying to do all of those projects okay. and do them to a level um, of excellence that you know, I think we want to make sure we maintain mm-hmm. has been difficult. Okay, yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens after the end of twenty twenty. But okay. <clears throat> I'm, you know, working on a lot of other folks' projects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you get folks had Anella on a couple oh, yeah. of weeks mm-hmm. ago, and she's got her movie coming out, so I'm mm-hmm. trying to help her. Um, Script supervisor. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. So <laughs> awesome. <laughs> she said, "Who's the most anal person we can find?" Who's <laughs> Pick on every little detail of the scene. I think it's him. Yeah. Oh, dude, you'll be perfect. You'll be perfect. Um, but yeah, a bunch of folks that I know. Um, you know, I just think everyone that's worked on Ola or Ike or Two Kinds of Love, they're they're they've got their own projects as well, and mm-hmm. it's amazing to see them um, moving forward with uh, their own creative work. And so, however I can help them out, um, I will. Yeah. Well, we're really excited to see the sacred journey. Mm-hmm. That's uh, yeah. Alex spent a lot of time promoting it and chatting well, about it. But you know, what a Alex spent a lot of time film. in Sri Lanka yeah. uh, filming those. Um, I think he went three years in a row. Man, um, such an amazing story. And you know, as I was talking about Ola and um, Surya, the gentleman um, that we featured in Ola, mm-hmm. really three of the documentaries that we have sort of still on the shelf that we're working on revolve around Surya. Mm-hmm. And Sacred Journey is probably the one that sounded the most thrilling, sounded mm-hmm. because, you know, the idea that people for hundreds of years have been walking for days. Yeah. Um, the, the, the true... Um, Parayatra, the foot journey. Yeah. It's 40 days of walking through the jungle of Sri Lanka. And as Alex probably told you uh, when he was here, you know, that's not a, an easy thing to do. No. And so um, the idea that we could capture that mm-hmm. and be the first ones to really capture the essence of what that pilgrimage is like, mm-hmm. it was just too seductive to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. also because Surya, who you know, we have gotten to know very well yeah. um, from Ola and, and becoming friends with him. He's very persuasive. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a very romantic figure where he yes. can spin a story very well and mm. kind of convinces you that, man, this is going to be an amazing thing to share with people. And, um, you know, Alex has gone every year and gotten amazing footage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm very confident that when we're done, um, it'll be a story 
unlike any other. <laughs> <clears throat> um, and will move a lot of people because, you know, as, as you've heard in the news, Sri Lanka is still sort of in the midst of the tail end of their civil war, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's still a lot of violence. There's still a lot of tension in that country. And the whole point of the, the sacred journey is finding yourself and cleansing yourself mm-hmm. and getting in touch with who you are. And the idea that Surya, who is a minority, um, he's Tamil, so he's in the minority. Mm-hmm. His family was in the minority. That someone uh, who comes from the part of that society that's been, um, the subject of oppression would be leading a group of pilgrims. So every year he's leading hundreds of pilgrims on this journey and be inviting along people of different faiths. You know, it's, it's like the stories we told in Ola and Ike, yeah. individuals stepping up and showing by their example how you can overcome some of these things. Yeah. And I've had people come up after screenings and go, man, that's so naive. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's so naive. That's not the world we live in. Huh. Um, but it could be if more people would just, again, just stand up and yeah. do the right thing mm-hmm. and not just sit back and sort of complain about how things are. Right. Mm-hmm. So Wait for someone else to Wait for somebody else. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or just spend a lot of time complaining about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's not that's not the way we're going to solve these problems. And right. so Surya and um, the Sacred Journey uh, film, hopefully, I don't want to put Alex on the spot here, but hopefully <laughs> um, we'll get it done by the end of this year. So it'll be a nice <laughs> short film. <laughs> 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 um, well, and you know, I think, I think Alex wants to get it done too, because if oh, not, sure. he's going to have to go back to Sri Lanka. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your plans for distribution? After it is done, because it's going to be quite the piece. Yeah, um, like Netflix. Maybe we have or we have grand ambitions. Uh, yeah. I think first of all, um, there's a large Tamil diaspora spread throughout the world um, mm-hmm. that fled Sri Lanka because of the civil war. So there's large Tamil populations in Canada and in mm-hmm. Europe, mm-hmm. Australia. Um, we'd like to be able to take the film on tour to those mm-hmm. countries. Yeah. And give those communities the opportunity to see this tradition and oh. one of their own, um, exemplifying the best of that tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, now more than ever, given all the violence um, or yeah. the, the reoccurrence of the violence, yeah. um, I think it would be an important thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then after that, who knows? Maybe someone will call from Netflix. Netflix. Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> um, <Is> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so, it has that potential. Yeah, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, if we do this right, um, mm-hmm. it'll be a message that I think everyone will want to be able to spread as far as yep. it can be. So. Yep. And how great that you want to share it with the people first mm-hmm. and give back to them. I think it's yeah. important um, both for them as, as a community yeah. um, to see their community portrayed in a way that's positive and mm. not just sort of in the context of the civil war. Yeah. yeah. But also for Surya, because, I mean, he's become a very important part of the work that we're doing at Lumos, and, you know, he's given a lot to us by allowing us to come and observe and to film mm-hmm. and to try to tell his story, three of his stories. 
Um, yeah, we owe, we owe a lot to him. And so I think this would be a good way to honor him and, and um, honor the work that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. Would he be willing to travel with the film? Oh, I think screenings? he's made that a condition. <laughs> I think it's in his, what is it called, binder or whatever. Oh, good. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. It's good, a binder good. clause. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Man. Because we have two other uh, documentary projects around him. So the first mm-hmm. is The Sacred Journey. Um, the second is um, he's doing a, a copper whale sculpture out in Wyna. I don't know if Alex talked about that. I did not hear about this, no. So he's a, Surya is a huge environmentalist um, and wanted to do something um, to draw attention to the oceans and how we need to protect the health of the oceans mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons, one of which is also the impact that the health of the oceans has on marine life, mm-hmm. and in this case, um, whales. And so his project is to create a pair of uh, humpback whales, a copper sculpture, mm-hmm. life-size, so 40, 50 feet wow. copper sculptures, <laughs> a mother and a child. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that people from the community, Wayana community, will all come out to his farm and have an opportunity to lay a hammer onto that copper Mm. so that every community group, every school, every Mm -hmm. church, every aspect of life in Waianae will be able to send representatives Mm -hmm. to be able to take part in the creation of this sculpture. Mm -hmm. And he'll create the the smaller whale on his own. And eventually... Both of these sculptures uh, sculptures are going to go up on the side of a community center that's just broke ground a couple of weeks ago. All right. So when you're driving into Waianae, when you're passing through Nanakuli, everybody in that community will be able to look up at that wall and see the whale and go, I helped build that. Wow. Oh, my heart. Or, that's you know, wonderful. my grandson helped, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. build that. And so created as a sense of community pride, but also as a reminder and an inspiration to people about being able to take care of our oceans and yep. being able to take care of the planet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's so, asking for their commitment, too, yes. by going to the farm and yes. placing hand. Yes. Yeah, yes. You'll have that guilt if you yes. litter. <laughs> <laughs> and so All for that. he's beginning that project. Um, well, he's been trying to get together funding. Um, you know, copper is super expensive. Yeah. Um, trying to get together funding for it, but mm. my understanding is that he's going to start the actual sculpting mm-hmm. end of this month. Wow. So the filming process will begin soon. Oh, gosh. And uh, I believe it's supposed to be finished at the end of this year, so... Wow, how special. That'll be quick. Yeah. Um, so this is the second uh, documentary that we have on Surya, and mm-hmm. then the third is really just a culmination, a summation of his entire life because he has just this amazing life story. Mm-hmm. Um, having left Sri Lanka um, after some pretty tragic circumstances in his family yeah, and living here in Hawaii for 30, 40 years now. Um, <clears throat> just the arc of his life. Yeah. And didn't he walk through Europe? He did. Oh. When he fled Sri Lanka. Oh um, so what happened was, I'm giving away the lead here, but <clears throat> what happened is... Mm-hmm. Um, his father was a um, fairly well-known politician in Sri Lanka. Um, 
and he was assassinated. And so Surya left the country and mm-hmm. <clears throat> sorry, went to India, and then from India walked across um, Central Asia <laughs> and through the Middle East and to Europe and ended up in Switzerland. Um, and then turned around <laughs> and walked back. <laughs> um, so the, the the Sri Lankan walk each year is just like it's nothing. nothing. To him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's morning. It's yeah. a morning stretch. Wow. Um, and he spent time living in the Himalayas. Wow. Um, <clears throat> living in a cave, just trying to deal with the huh. emotional circumstances of what had happened to him. Mm-hmm. And so that's the beginning of his story. Jeez. And everything that he's done since then has been informed by that mm-hmm. and the responsibilities of um, him being the oldest son mm-hmm. to the family and so he's just got this amazing life story mm-hmm. that to me it is sort of the umbrella under which things like the farm mm-hmm. and the sacred journey walk and the whale project they fall under sort of this yeah bigger story yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they each deserve probably you know their own uh, film so we'll probably do a little short documentaries on okay. those other mm-hmm. ones and then sort of a larger project. Yeah. That would be a pretty rad, forgive the term, rad, interesting uh, narrative feature doing his life, his yes. journey across the, con- how many continents is that? Too many to count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh. I mean, Amazon or Netflix grabbed the whole package. Yeah. All yeah. five films. The Serena Trilogy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quadrology. Wow, <laughs> man. <clears throat> Wow. And, you know, at some point, I think he's uh, 70 years old, you know, at some point he's mm. going to stop doing his artwork and mm-hmm. start winding down. And mm. so it's important that we try to capture all of that to be able to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I know we want to move on, but um, how does he get funding for something like the Copper Sculpture? Yeah. I'm super um, interested. Like, uh, are you applying for grants similar to film? So, he has been applying for grants. Okay. Um, applying to foundations, um, mm-hmm. apply or appealing to folks who have worked with him in the past. Okay. He has his network. He has already. a network. Yeah. Um, He's a known artist in that community. He is. Yeah. Um, okay. He has copper artwork all over the world. Oh, um, wow. He's a pretty famous copper artist. What um, a guy. He is. I mean, <laughs> and you know, some of the oh. copper artwork that he's done, they're valued over a million dollars, one mm. piece. Mm-mm. So he's got a network that he can tap okay. into. Okay. Um, but even then, you know, it, it's still challenging you yeah. know, to, to get the amount of money that one needs to do this project. Yeah. And so, you know, when he told us what the project was, we signed on Immediately. Of course. And, you know, eventually if he gets money to help cover, defray some of the costs of the production of the film, then great. Mm. Um, but I'm, I did not want to say, well, we're not going to start until, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we're funded. Money. Right, right. Um, does he understand how much everything costs? He does. In okay. fact, you know, I think he valued our work more than I did. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Well, that's you know, I, I didn't want, and I've, I've said this to him, I didn't want our costs to preclude his. Mm-hmm. He's got hard, tangible costs mm-hmm. for the copper mm-hmm. yeah. and hosting, you know, the church groups and the kids mm-hmm. and the organizations. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you can't just have people show up at the farm and hit the thing. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to feed them. You've it's got, whole thing. you know, there's a yeah. whole thing that goes yeah. with that. So one of the kids drops the hammer on their foot. There you go. <laughs> so, you know, I, I believe he initially was looking for several hundred thousand dollars for the project mm-hmm. to cover the cost of making both whales, mm-hmm. the cost of um, hosting all the groups, mm-hmm. and then a little bit of money for the documentary. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's really nice. So, I mean, I have faith that some way um, yeah. the resources will come in. So, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that where Jagger is now? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Jagger, he he did spend a little bit of time at Mauna, yeah. um, but he's actually living on the North Shore now. Oh, Some man. other farm, um, huh. organic farm. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's got his tent, and as I said, he's building tent. a bamboo hut. It's, oh. a, it's a tent that's like the size of this table, I think. Okay, maybe bigger. okay. Yeah. That yeah. he picked up in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he just picked up and went to New Zealand for like I a month. I remember that, yeah, yeah. Just no plans, wow. just got on a plane and, and went. It's freedom. When he was there, he called and said, oh, I'm thinking about buying this tent. I forget the name. The brand, probably shouldn't yeah. say the brand, but it's like, oh, it's a really good tent. And I'm thinking, well, what do you need a tent for? It's, oh, I'm going to live in the tent. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you it. go to his Instagram, Jagger Novak, mm-hmm. um, you can see pictures of his tent hmm. and his soul. And his beautiful animal. artwork. Oh my gosh. Yes. He's amazing. Yeah. Amazing nature photographer. Yes. Yeah. Very talented. Yeah. Oh, so he's a solar panel too? He's got a solar panel. <laughs> he's to so cute. Power his phone, his laptop. He's, Love it. Uh, yeah. Styling. The real estate crisis. That is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my next documentary. But yeah. 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 No kidding. Yeah. So, you know, with Ola and Ike, I decided that, you know, I wanted to continue telling stories about these major social issues. And mm-hmm. so the third film in sort of that trilogy of social issue films mm. is about the affordable housing crisis mm-hmm. and homelessness. Mm. And so, you know, we've been working on trying to find the right stories to tell yeah. around that. Mm-hmm. And I, I joked earlier that, you know, people wouldn't expect you to be able to find positive stories about education. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even more so even when you talk about <laughs> affordable housing yeah. and yeah. homelessness. Uh-huh. Mm. So it's been a challenge to try to find the right stories, mm. but also because things change so rapidly. Mm. Every day, something else has changed or the ground has shifted mm-hmm. in one of those areas. And so trying to be able to find not just the right stories, but to be able to capture them and tell them in a way that's still going to be contemporary by the time the film comes out. Okay, yeah. Yeah. It's been a little bit of a challenge and also because, you know, someone wasn't handing me a check to say, hey, go oh, make yeah. this stuff. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. But I believe that we'll probably be finished with that um, middle of next year. Hmm. We've um, sort of hit a lucky streak um, with that third film. Hmm. And um, there's a group that's doing some amazing work that sort of crosses into both housing and homelessness. Hmm. And um, I have really high hopes Hmm. for that film. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. That's really uh, why we created Lumos to begin with, was hmm. to sort of finish that trilogy. Okay. Um, and all the other small projects were things that sort of came up that we mm-hmm. couldn't say no to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there have been some um, donors who've supported that third film about, because everyone, people recognize how important this issue of homelessness mm-hmm. is in Hawaii. And yeah. so 
there were a lot of very generous donors who stepped up wow. and uh, helped provide us funding to kind of bridge us through the many, many, many months mm-hmm. um, that we've been trying to fish around for the right story to tell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jeremy is now in New York. Who's shooting this one? So that would be Alex. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, yeah. Director DP. DP. GP director, he's DP. Okay. Although, as I said before, um, we could probably just list both of our names on mm. every position. That's um, right. Editing and yeah. But part of that is born out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a lot of uh, resources to be able to hire out and yeah. bring a DP on. Yeah. Part of it is also just so the sporadic nature of filming documentary work. Mm-hmm. You never really know when something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. And to be able to to say that you can count on somebody to be there at a moment's notice all the yeah. time, it's just not realistic. Um, yeah. And as I said, things shift so so rapidly um, in this area of homelessness that it wouldn't be fair to, to say to somebody, you need to be available um, mm-hmm. whenever we call. And also, I don't know how much I can pay you, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Alex um, has a vested interest in, in right. the project. Um, because it is a Lumos project, so That's right. yeah, he's got skill to yeah. be able to film, which I don't. So, <laughs> oh, that was my next question. Have you picked up any camera techniques? No, no. Okay, um, I can edit. Um, oh, okay. In fact, I wanted to learn editing before learning the camera side of it because yeah. you can control things on the editing side. Mm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and just our process um, is such that me being able to do edits mm-hmm. has made um, our projects much easier to manage because right. we can pass edits back and forth yes. as opposed to yeah. giving a bunch of notes, which is what happened in, in Ola. Mm-hmm. I would give Jeremy, who's also doing editing, oh, pages and pages of just meticulous notes. Yeah. Um, Shave off one frame here, yeah, five no, frames no, here. It, it was wow. exactly that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I can just imagine. Oh, poor Jeremy. Going, oh, this guy. Why can't he just do it? It's two clicks. <laughs> wow, good for you, man. When Alex was on, he was he kept saying the most important thing if you're going into filmmaking to learn is to edit. Yeah. It's such a, a huge skill. You never know when you're going to need it. So that's, It is. I mean, yeah. I, I really wish I, I could pick up. Um, or had the time to, to really learn how to, to do the shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe I'll, I'll do that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is difficult, um, as I said, to find people who are available. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Because even Alex, I mean, he's got a bunch of projects he's doing on his own. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not as if um, he's always available as well. Right. Like right. this weekend, in fact, we've got a, a shoot for the homelessness documentary. And... Uh, He's in San Francisco for the uh, film premiere, so oh. having to dig deep. Oh. I'm having to dig deep <laughs> you know, to get somebody to come and shoot. Grab Anella. <laughs> <laughs> She's so busy, too. <laughs> She'd totally do it. I'm, I'm sure she yeah. would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I'm playing the father card, so Jagger's going to Oh, hello. Yeah. Okay, of course. Jagger's so talented in that realm. He's, yeah. he's really got the eye. Well, he made the mistake. He made the mistake about three, four weeks ago. He was asking, oh, so what's Lumos doing? And Uh-oh. I ran down the list and he goes, you know, I really want to help with Ulu, so, which is the name of the third film, mm-hmm. Ulu. 
I really want to help with the Uber, so just let me know. Yeah. Well, I let him know yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <someone> yeah. <laughs> nice. You're like, I know you're not doing anything right. out yeah. there. <laughs> you're just sitting Aww. on the farm, but no. No, he goes out and, and shoots photography almost. He does. Day or so. um, he does. Uh, he weddings busy. and headshots. And oh wow! He does a okay. lot of nature photography. I mean, he loves yeah. being in nature. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's. I think that's what his New Zealand trip really was focused on: is yeah. trying to hone the craft of mm-hmm. nature photography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Oh, perfect! You shagger this weekend. That's yeah. great. That's great. <laughs> so, what does um, ulu mean? Then ulu, ulu, I know, is breadfruit, but so ulu um, also means growth. Oh, how nice. So the first film was Ola, Health is Everything. Mm-hmm. Second film was Ike, Knowledge is mm-hmm. Everywhere. And yeah. the final film is Ulu, Growth for Everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Because part of the message uh, that we're trying to convey, again, this is an advocacy type of documentary. Mm-hmm. Part of the message we're trying to convey is in order for us to address those twin crises of affordable housing and homelessness, everyone has to have the opportunity to grow. Sure. Yeah. Right. And right now that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why a uh, single family home on Maui, in fact, today oh. came out of the paper, $800,000. Sure. Who could possibly, from your generation, mm. 20, 30 year None old, how are you going to afford a $800,000 house? Mm-hmm. You don't have the opportunity to grow in the same way that maybe someone from my generation or wow. my parents had, right? Yeah. So, this really is going to be a documentary and a story about creating equal opportunity for growth mm-hmm. to make sure that people have tools and support systems that allow them to, to take care of this very basic need, housing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We can't all be Jagger and living in a tent. I know. <laughs> well, we can't all be Jagger living in a tent and actually loving living in the tent yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the farm. Yeah. <laughs> time I heard of someone of a community doing that uh, on Sand Island they got their community bulldozed exactly oh. exactly um, I mean and that's the thing about this crisis mm-hmm. it's been a rolling crisis mm-hmm. decade after decade after decade and we haven't addressed the fundamental issue mm-hmm. you can always build more houses mm-hmm. all it takes is money and land I mean I say that kind of flippantly but all it takes is money and land. Mm-hmm. There's a way to get people in shelter. Mm-hmm. But after you do that, then what? Mm-hmm. What happens to that person who gets laid off mm-hmm. and has, doesn't have savings and now they have to get out of that house that you just built for them? Mm-hmm. So yeah. there are structural issues that need to be mm-hmm. resolved that hopefully we'll, we'll get into in, in the film. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll take my bow and then stop making documentaries for a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Move on to narratives. I like it. (laughs) Matthew writes novels in his free time. I do, Mm -hmm. although I'm writing them under pseudonym. Okay. Because I really, I don't need the fame. I just want to get the stories out. (laughs) Do you have them published or self-published? Not yet. So I've been writing since I was 10 years old. My grandfather gave me this. For all you kids out there, it's called a typewriter. (laughs) Um, It's a keyboard without a monitor. But um, since I was 10 years old, Mm. trying to, you know, write these novels and Mm. never had the time to finish them Mm. uh, until about three years ago where I decided, okay, I need to 
buckle down and actually finish something. Mm -hmm. And so I I did. I just finished. It took two and a half years uh, to finish. Mm -hmm. So that'll be coming out uh, later this year. Uh, I can't say what it is or what the author's <laughs> name is, but... <laughs> but I have heard of this book coming out. Right. Another author. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Grant you. But that's something I'm really excited about because hmm. it's sort of the feeling I had when Ola was about to come out because mm-hmm. it's a creation. It's new. Mm-hmm. Um, something I'd never done before. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing. It's just that this has been many, many, many decades in the mm. in the making. So, mm. yeah, I'm really I, I'm I'm excited to see where that's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's three I think there's three books that are close to completion um, oh. next year. Oh man! So cool. the before, yeah. Twenty twenty three trilogy or just three no, stories? Just three different stories. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Do yeah. they take place in Hawaii? Oh, that's a trick question. They might. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't want to reveal. We don't want to reveal. Um, like it. You know, people, w- one of the bits of advice I would get, and this is why I probably never finished the, writing a book, um, one of the bits of advice I would get all the time was, you have to write what you know. Don't mm-hmm. write something that you don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I always took that as sort of a handcuff on anything mm-hmm. I could write. Mm-hmm. Because what do I know? I'm just a kid from Waimanalo um, (laughs) who's worked in healthcare. What could I possibly write about? Um, And then I decided that's the dumbest advice I've ever heard. In fact, I think there was an author, I think it was, I forget who it was, but um, when I saw this particular author say, don't write what you know, write what you don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, fun. That's when the handcuffs came off. And sure enough, I was able to finish writing the book. So, yeah. Oh, that's great advice. It really is. Great. It's Because in Screenwriting 101, they tell yeah. us, write what you know. Really? Oh, yeah. They shove oh. that down your throat pretty oh. hard. <laughs> yeah. I feel like... Well, they don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is most commonly misapplied. Yeah. But maybe it speaks more to write what you know emotionally. Because, hmm. I mean, how else would we have Star Wars? Right. You yeah. Know, or right. You know, all the other fantastical films right. or mm-hmm. stories right. you know, that inspire mm-hmm. us, entertain us, and whatnot. Because... Who among us has traveled to space? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really that's, I like that. So write what you know emotionally. That, that's that's yeah. what I take from it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I had the same thing. You know, I was like trying to write, you know, a story about this expedition in a sci-fi fantasy universe. Yeah. Like I don't know anything about that. <laughs> and then I was like, screw it. Then I went to Iceland for for a month, and I was like, there's not nothing to this. Right. And started doing it. So I, I I'm not familiar with with your work and the film that you did. Oh. Um, Return to Life. Return to Life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, shucks. <laughs> can, can, you, can, you, can you enlighten me? Um, uh, sure. That's, uh, okay, so Return to Life is, um, the, what, what currently exists was um, my final project at ACM uh, okay. last year. Um, and going back to UH was my, my third time in college. First, I went back in 98, East Carolina University, East mm-hmm. Coast. Uh, then uh, did another stint 10 years ago <laughs> at NC State for uh, teaching high school English. And then three, shoot, almost four years ago, three years ago now, I got out of the Navy <clears throat> and with the uh, GI Bill went to UH oh, and cool. enrolled at ACM. And so um, my dream has always been to be, 
filmmaker, storyteller, writer, because I love, my first love was writing books, but then when I saw the original Jurassic Park in the theaters, I wanted to make movies. Yeah. Um, and so I've just had this idea. So you wanted to be Spielberg, basically. He's yeah. my biggest influence. Yeah. Yeah, I gotta say. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've had this sci-fi fantasy adventure story idea in my head since that same time, basically. Not born out of Jurassic Park, just around the same time, somehow, it just, just started coming into my head mm-hmm. and um, it stuck with me over the years and finally I, I had the, the, the gumption the wherewithal the whatever to enroll in film school yeah. with the, the desire to finally realize this story and I was thinking I would go through film school then work on it but when I was in um, my second to last semester uh, taking 310 mm-hmm. um, I thought after our first project I was like Now's the time to do it. Yeah. People talk about that 310 class in a very <laughs> mythical tone. Like, oh, yeah. Stuff always happens at 310. <laughs> it, it weeds out the, the people who aren't committed because you have to make a film all by yourself, really. Yeah. And, well, okay. and you chose a very crazy <laughs> film to make. But, but uh, yeah. So ultimately ended up doing it for my capstone project, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And it, it is a sci-fi fantasy post-apocalyptic adventure. It's kind of a... It's not the original story idea I had since I was 13, yeah. but it still exists in that world. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to figure out a way to introduce that original story yeah. through, I don't know how more, not contemporary means, but relatable. I just needed a way in. Sure, you know? sure. And so, um, yeah, the, the idea of a, of a zombie-like threat, uh, but different. Uh, and that was all filmed here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. We, we filmed it last, a year ago, March. Wow. Um, the last week of March. Jagger did some behind-the-scenes photos oh, and wow. videos, okay. and they're spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we shot. We were able to shoot at Kuloa Ranch for two days. Cool. Then at the Hawaiian Railway Society for two days, and then the Anking Art Center in Chinatown for one day. Wow, so you had some choice locations. It was oh, cool. yeah. yeah. It was oh, yeah. Good. And uh, it's, it, it made it into the Monarch Film Festival in Northern California, a smaller, smaller thing. And then just recently accepted, and we'll screen at the Made in Hawaii Film Festival on Big Island. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Major. So I've got some of the folks going out there to represent it for me. Because I won't be able to make it because I've got uh, another premiere happening oh, around wow. the same time. Uh, baby number two. Yes. <laughs> baby number two. We're so excited for this baby. Oh, wow. Also, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, a literal baby. I thought oh, I not, not a film a baby. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Baby. Literal yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Better so, get all the sleep you can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, we just moved, so we're like getting settled into our new place. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and that's you know that's that's what I really want to get into yeah. with with filmmaking. But I also love the idea of documentaries and hearing what yeah. you've been talking about has been inspiring. And I just want to get out and shoot right. and be involved with editing because mm-hmm. over the course of the move, haven't been able to get settled into my own space yet yeah. and get my computer set up, and I haven't done any kind of production work in weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. And that's the reason I got this podcast going was yeah. I want to talk to other <clears throat> filmmakers, uh, in one way give them a platform of their own to yeah. you know get their their story out, but then also selfishly sure. to just you know see what I can learn from yeah. other people's experiences. Because yeah. that was the biggest revelation to me in film school. I got to say is the community yeah. and and being and actually getting involved with the Hawaii Filmmakers Collective before that, yeah. and just seeing that. There are people like me yeah. who want to make movies, who 
can take because because up until that point I was the only person who took my idea seriously or at least yeah. I felt like that yeah. and then <clears> people started taking that seriously and then they were spewing out crazy ideas and then mm-hmm. we're taking them seriously and it's just like if you have a compelling story there's going to be someone else who wants to help you make that happen mm-hmm. and then the more um, you know there's a whole lot tour theory but I'm finding that the more uh, people who who are involved with collaborating on it, the better. Because, you know, it it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a community to make a movie. You know, that is such an important point. I I kind of alluded to it earlier about everyone contributing something to every project. Mm -hmm. But I think it, it bears repeating that in a community like Hawaii, where we're all depending on one another mm-hmm. to, to get our visions to manifest, to get our projects across the finish line. Mm-hmm. So important because we're all sort of, we've got lives, mm-hmm. you know, if this, is, if this is your life, then it's all consuming because you're working on a Netflix show or you're working yeah. on one of the CBS shows or you're working at an agency. Or, mm-hmm. But when you have that lightning strike, mm-hmm where you find the right people who mm-hmm. buy into the vision, mm-hmm. like what happened for us with the pit, mm-hmm. you know, it, it takes bringing in all these different strands of folks that are in the community of filmmakers mm-hmm. um, to be able to sacrifice time and resources and to help create this thing that mm-hmm. everyone is the writer of, everyone is the director of, everyone yeah. is the producer of, because they're all putting in this sweat, mm-hmm. equity into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to, <laughs> not that I have aspirations to be standing on stage accepting an Oscar for best documentary, because I don't. <laughs> it would be cool, but I don't have that <laughs> Wouldn't say no. right. Put it out there, man. <laughs> um, you know, I used to watch... Uh, award shows and mm. get irritated when you know they get up there and they pull out this list and they start mm. reading all these names mm-hmm. you know yeah. names that are only meaningful to that person and you're yeah. like come on hurry up already <laughs> but lately ever since I've gotten into filmmaking yeah. I've come to realize how important it is to recognize mm-hmm. the people that help yeah. get you to where you are whether yeah. it's finishing a project getting into a festival, winning an award, whatever it is, mm-hmm. so important to recognize the contributions of other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just talking about my film, my film. It's our film. Mm-hmm. And thanking all of these people who contribute every little piece to getting you to that point where your vision is mm-hmm. realized. Yeah. So important. Um, yeah. I don't know what the right word is beyond gratitude mm-hmm. is. But it's so important. And I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think we recognize it enough. Mm. But, I mean, you put it very well. It Mm. takes more than just one person. It does take a village. It does take a community Mm. to make a film. And um, hopefully um, other filmmakers out there take that to heart as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I know there are some jerks out there, but, you know. And that's, that's the thing, too, like, um, you know, there, there is the auteur theory, and there are genuine, brilliant auteurs out there. Yes. Um, yes. They're not the nicest people to work with, necessarily, but some people mm-hmm. say, oh, that's the cost of genius. And right. Mm-hmm. right. That's how you want to roll. That's cool. But, right. you know, right. 
I, I want people to want to come to set. Right. To feel good about it. Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. not after the fact, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And to know that things that they contributed, no matter how big, no matter how small, yeah. appreciated, mm-hmm. recognized, mm-hmm. and make me want to help you yeah. next yeah. time. Absolutely. Yeah. And be a part of that crew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating to me when you know you talk about Spielberg is your mm-hmm. uh, big influence. David Fincher as a director. I, mm-hmm. I don't have aspirations to direct, but if I did, <laughs> David Fincher would be uh, my influence. Huh. It was fascinating to me to to hear about all these directors and the DPs that absolutely, this guy's got to work on my project, mm. or the editor. This yeah. guy's been my editor for every film I've ever done. Mm. Yeah. The relationships that get developed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And those relationships don't get developed just because of money that people get paid. Right. Right? Right. They get developed because people develop trust mm-hmm. and um, an equal relationship of give and take mm-hmm. and not being, well, I'm the auteur and yeah. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so important, I think. So mm-hmm. important. Yeah. And and what you initially talked about going into, oh dear, Ola. Yeah. Um, just putting your, your, your love and time and attention into it. I think that that's true of any work of art, certainly any mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Like, no matter how, even if it's a bad film, right. you know, like, <clears throat> you can see the boom or, you know, right. the sound is screwed up or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you can still see the, the blood, sweat, and tears put yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. It shines through. Well, we're at a good, good, good. We are. Here. That was kind of a nice. That <laughs> <laughs> was, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of pondered that. That was the uh, yeah. after-school special lesson of the podcast: <laughs> be kind to one another and appreciate one another. But yeah, we're we're just over ninety minutes. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Mike. No, this thanks for really, this. Was really great. great. I mean, gosh, ninety minutes went by so fast. Mm-hmm. It's dark outside mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Time, time to go home. <laughs> oh, really appreciate you coming by. I enjoyed this. Had fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Sure. It's been a while since we had a nice chat. So yeah. This is really great. We got to do this again. So, um, are you participating in Nanorimo again? Am I saying it right? You are. Yeah. Um, Are you, do you know what this is? I know exactly what it is. I yeah. had no National idea what it was Writing until yeah. um, you used to post about it. it what does it mean? National Novel Writing Month. National Novel Writing Month. So it's Month. November. Okay. Right? And, uh, <laughs> the idea is to write 50,000 words in the month of November. So it's like 1,700 words a day. Why they choose November, I have no idea because that's like pre Christmas. <laughs> There's so much going on. Together, <laughs> and, you know, it's, Wow. The NFL season's kind of ramping up, so it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a really bad month. But it's a challenge. That's it. Mm-hmm. It challenges you to focus. Mm-hmm. And so, last three years, um, I've participated. I've participated for ten years, but the last three years, I've actually finished. Nice, mm-hmm. fifty thousand words. Man, amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna write again, it again this year. Nice. Um, it it'll be the fountain from which. Future novels mm. by the unnamed pseudonym mm. author will, sure. will come. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's actually fun. I mean, when I used to try to do it um, five, ten years ago, it was frustrating because in those days I would miss a day and I'd just beat myself up oh. over it. Mm. You know, life happens and then you don't write, or mm-hmm. you sit there, you try to write, and you don't write the 1,700 words that you're <laughs> supposed to write that day. Mm-hmm. Really hard on myself. 
Whereas the last three years, I miss a day, I miss a day. It just means yeah. you got to work harder the next day. Oh, wow. So um, you double it the next day? Yeah. And Good some days, you. you know, I lock myself in my little cave at home and <laughs> uh, write five times the amount of words that I was supposed to. Wow. It, I've learned to sort of go with the rhythm of the writing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's fun. I'm, I'm really excited about that aspect. So. Mm-hmm. When do you feel like you write most? Is it in the morning? Um, yes, because I get up around 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I've got about three hours before everybody else in the house mm-hmm. starts waking up. This is the CEO schedule that people talk yeah. about right now. <laughs> it's very trendy. And yeah. it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. usually I'll wake up and my brain just starts going. Yeah. So I can write easier in the morning yeah. because there's not a lot of distractions. Right. Um, but also late evening when the mm. world's quieting down again, yeah. that's also a good time to write. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Do you plan ahead and plot out your stories or do you mm. just... Mm-hmm. So the story that I'm most excited about that I've been working on the last three years mm-hmm. did not plot a single thing out. Okay. Just sat down, in fact, decided on November 1st mm-hmm. um, of 2016 I'm just going to, I'm going to participate and just started writing. And, you know, that's, that's really cool because you're just writing off of inspiration and adrenaline. And what's not so cool is you're having to go back and make sure all the threads tie together. And was (laughs) that, was that guy's hair blonde or was it brown? And, you know, so eventually I I had to go back and start, you know, putting together sort of a matrix of what the plot was based on what I had already written. Um, but I'm finding now that you just got to go where the spirit takes it. Mm. Yeah. That's, yeah. um, Stephen King's way of doing it. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's Do you read amazing. any books about writing? I, that's where I got it from was his book on writing, which is entitled on writing. I have a bunch of books, <laughs> um, about writing mm-hmm. and they adorn my bookshelf. Uh, very nice. Yes. <laughs> so, so someone once told me that a true bibliophile is someone who buys a lot of books and keeps them for, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> doesn't necessarily read them. Right, 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 right. So if that is the true definition, I am a total bibliophile. <laughs> I have bookshelves of books I haven't read. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, where can we find you online? So a couple of places. Uh, Lumos.media is the website for Lumos. I'm guessing it's Harry Potter. That's what I thought too. But well, Lumos. Yeah. Well... <laughs> That's the interesting thing about the word lumos, because the word actually existed before oh, J.K. It's, an it's an actual Latin oh, word. Okay, okay. But mm-hmm. when she uses it, suddenly people think, "Wow, it's a Harry Potter word." <laughs> um, I won't. I won't deny that that's how it was at top of mind. But mm-hmm. really, it was about the meaning of the word, mm. bringing light. Mm. Yes. And really, lumos projects are intended to bring light into the world by wow. portraying things that are good. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, Lumos.media, it's got uh, information about all of our projects and things that we've already done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once the pit stops, um, its festival run will have it there as well. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. okay. Cool, cool. cool. Um, so if any donors are out there, <laughs> Lumos.media. <laughs> <laughs> Contribute to the lights. <laughs> 
congratulations to all of Lumos' success. Thank you. And the pit. So cool. San Francisco, right around the corner. L.A. We didn't even talk about the big premiere that just happened in L.A. L.A. And and then after San Francisco, it'll be in New Zealand. And Mm. hopefully we get in a couple more and then we'll finish up here in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Ohina or HIF, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully. In November or so. If you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so awesome. much. Awesome. No, thank, thank you, you guys. Thank, really you. thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>